Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Oh, hey everybody, Jim- this is Jimmy Crane, and you are listening, can you believe it, to another episode of Improv Nerd. We are sponsored by the hilarious party game and great gift idea, Utter Nonsense. Now, have you ever wondered what it's like to see your friend orgasm or take a poop? Well, reveal these mysteries and more with the Chicago board and party game Utter Nonsense. It's currently available at Target stores nationwide, or check it out at UtterNonsenseGame.com. That's UtterNonsenseGame.com. Also, don't forget to check out my award-winning improv workshops and classes here in Chicago, The Artist Low Comedy. Chicago Magazine just said I was one of the five people to study comedy within the city. For more information, just go to my website, jimmycarain.com. Also, if you want to have a big career, I'm talking about an enormous career. I'm talking about a huge career in improv. Check out my new book, The Inner Game of Improv. It's five steps to getting a bigger career in improv. It's a really quick read. It's like 70 pages, and it's only $3.99. You can get it in Amazon as an ebook, or you can go to my website and download it as a PDF. And, of course, that's my website, jimmycarain.com. Okay, great. We got all that stuff out of the way, and this is why you're here. This is why you've tuned in today. And that is, we have got, yes, you, 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 you're, you're mouthing the words as I'm saying it, another great episode of Improv Nerd. And when do we not come through for you? We always deliver the goods. And this one is no exception. Our guest today is Anne Libra. She is the director of the Comedy Studies Program of Columbia College at the Second City here in Chicago. She is a well-respected teacher, director, and ran the Second City Training Center here in Chicago. As the director of the Comedy Studies Program, she has created a curriculum that gives you a full education, a full comedy education that sets you up to be a real success in this sometimes doggy dog competitive world of comedy. We talked to Anne about her career, how she started out as an actor and then she realized she wanted to be a director. Meeting Stephen Gobert and becoming his friend in uh, Northwestern University when she was in college and focusing on what you like to do rather than what you'd like to be. She will explain that further in this episode and also notice she how brave she was to come on the show and improvise. She hadn't improvised I think in nine or ten years and uh, she tells us why it was important for her to improvise on this episode. Before we get to the episode, it is Thanksgiving here in America, or as we like to say, the States. Doesn't that sound like I'm so European? Uh, so we uh, typically we have turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie and apple pie. Some people bake hams. I, I don't eat any of that stuff. As you guys know, I'm on a very restricted diet, gluten-free, no sugar, no white flour, uh, because I was, I'm a food addict. I'm addicted to food, and so one of the things is I'm on a very strict food plan. Uh, so usually I have turkey with some potatoes and green beans is usually what I have, and then a piece of fruit for um, for dessert. It actually sounds very sad. It almost sounds Dickensian, doesn't it? Like, oh, please, sir, give me more. He's just having a piece of fruit for dessert. It's a little, and a little turkey and a little mashed potatoes and a little green beans. That's all, just eaten alone in a corner. But it's not that bad. I've been doing it for 10 years. But this year, 
I've been seeing this uh, Dr. Rudy every week, and he gives me uh, like a handful of vitamins and nutrients. And he's told me to cut some things out of my diet. And one of them is turkey. So this Thanksgiving, I won't be having turkey. And i got to tell you something. I've cut turkey out for a couple weeks now, and it's made a huge difference. I'm not as tired. I'm less depressed. And, you know, if you're me, the goal is not more happiness, more joy, more serenity. It's just to feel less depressed. You're going to love this episode. But before we start, a quick note. Anne refers to the name Kelly a couple times. Uh, during the interview, and I don't know if I clarified it enough for you, uh, but she's referring to her husband, Kelly Leonard, who was a producer and held other big titles at Second City. Just wanted you to know so it would be easier for you to follow along. Here it is, the Ann Libra episode. Enjoy. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd, oh yeah. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. <laughs> Are you still nervous? Nervous, sure. Okay, what are you nervous about? In the improvising part or the. the I'm not, I know, I'm not nervous about the. Well, you've heard you. Oh, why did I say. I think I'm drunk. I took a muscle relaxer and it's kicked in. You're not nervous about the interview at all? No. Okay, great. Okay, so you spent the majority of your childhood growing up in Minneapolis? Yeah, I was born in Minneapolis. I moved at the age of one month to Grand Forks, North Dakota. And I slept in a drawer, which is what my father would tell me on every single one of my birthdays. How old were we? How when I was like a month, I, they, they, like, they, they hadn't moved the crib yet, so I slept in a drawer at a month old. Um, uh, and then I lived, we lived in Grand Forks for eight years, and, may, and uh, then moved back to St. Paul, actually. Minnesota. But as a kid, you said you grew up mm-hmm. creating stories yes. uh, with your toys. Yes. What kind of stories did you come up with? <laughs> So I, uh, I was a big anthropomorphizer. What is that? Uh, uh, I would, I would create. My mom had a meat grinder. It's like an old school, like like, like put the, steak in and so then yeah, right, right. And I would, would like out. yes. So so I would play with the pieces of the meat grinder mm-hmm. and I would make them people, and they had relationships with each other. <laughs> 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 and I had we had a wooden uh, map of the United. We had like a wooden toy map of you know puzzle uh-huh. yeah. of the yeah, United well, States where the all the all the states are a different puzzle piece. And um, yeah, I have vivid memory. Uh, Mississippi was yellow, and she was a very uh, independent spirit, <laughs> <laughs> and she wanted to go on adventures with Oregon, <laughs> who was blue. <laughs> And, and which is interesting because you said as you got older, mm-hmm. you always related to adults better than kids. Yes, Why absolutely. do you think that was? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I was, and still am, a a very introvert. I'm, I'm one of those sort of introvert extroverts in the sense that I'm a very introverted person who is very comfortable talking to other people, but but uh, needs a lot of um, me time and solo time. And I think it just, I was, you know, I was a big nerd. I, I was, I'm not a very good social person. Really? So <laughs> in terms of a nerd? But nerd, but, but I have a lot to say, so adults liked me. Well, when you say nerd, <laughs> what, what, were, what kind of, what were you nerdy I nerd, about? I, I, you know, I read, I read nonstop. I was obsessed with Little House uh, in the Prairie, because, of course, I was a Minnesota, North Dakota girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, my sister and I, my, for uh, Halloween one year, my mother made us, um, uh, Gingham Prairie Girl dresses, <laughs> with with the with the bonnets, 
And, and oh, I was so mad. Okay, so it's Halloween. And we, gri li li we lived in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and it snowed. The year we had the Prairie Girl dresses, it snowed like a foot. So we had to put our coats on and our boots on, and no one could see our dresses. <laughs> I can totally, uh, I, I always would get upset at Halloween when we had to put our coats on. Oh, I know. It's, it's, just, it's, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people understand how traumatic that is. <laughs> it, it is. is. It's ironically, probably much more true to the Little House in the Big Woods experience to be wearing your winter clothes at, at Halloween. But well, if you wanted to be authentic about yes, it. Yes, exactly. You know. um, <laughs> and then you, uh, you had a younger sister and a brother. Yes. And you had a brother who had cerebral palsy. Yes. How did that help you develop your independence? Uh, you know, on a very, really simple level, you know, so my brother, my, uh, my sister Julie, and we talked about this earlier, yeah. my sister is also married to an improviser, right, Joe Liz, who she met at Second City. Because uh, it's very incestuous. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, they were twins, and they didn't know, th uh, the doctor didn't know that it was twins, so my brother didn't breathe right away. And he was, uh, he was wheelchair bound, he was also legally blind. And really, you know, I mean, we, there we were in North Dakota, my mom with, with three kids under the age of, my younger brother and sister are a year and a half younger than me. And she really had to take care of him. And so in many ways, my sister and I were, re were really left to develop our, you know, she, she just didn't have, the, and, and she was a terrific mom and baked muffins and the whole thing. But she had a lot, she had a lot of things she had to do for David, and uh, with the result that we were sort of allowed to go and do our own thing. I think, you know, in a sort of Buddhist way, she was detached. You know, she really let us do what we were going to do, and because she had other things to do. Do you ever look back and go like, why didn't I get more attention, or you just accepted I that? Don't, I, I actually really appreciated, you know, my mother was, my mother very, did, there was no helicopter parenting. Um, I have vivid memory, and I did theater from the time I was very young, mm -hmm. and my parents would let people, uh, you know, they would, people would give me rides home uh, from the show at 11 o'clock at night, and we'd stop at the bar. Uh, <laughs> there was literally, there, there's a bar in Minneapolis called Jimmy Heggs, which was one of those bars with like the, you know, the candles that, that look like tulips with, mm -hmm. the, with the plastic netting on them. Um, and uh, I was there, uh, was there, one of the actors would give me a ride home and he said, oh no, I got to stop and see somebody. It was like the theater bar. And so there I am, I'm 13 with my, with my Coke. Um, and my math teacher comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and he's like, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just waiting for my ride. Uh, but, you know, but my parents, they, they, they really, they trusted me um, and let me explore what I wanted to explore. And, and you got into community theater at a young yes. age. Yes. And so what do you think you were getting from that acting community that you weren't getting at home? Well, I don't, to back up, I don't think it was that I wasn't getting anything at home. Mm -hmm. I think it was a level of structure, it was a level of challenge, it was a level of, and working with adults who took me seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, I was, I was a really precocious kid. And, you know, and other kids don't like precocious kids. But adults... <laughs> adults like precocious right. kids. But I, you know, I was Hermione Granger, I knew all the answers, I still am. I'm, really? Do you think... Yes. <laughs> Where does that show up? Where? Yes, I want to know. <laughs> I'm sorry, where does that show up? Yes, in your relationship with Kelly or at work. Or <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Kelly will tell you. <laughs> I know, I'm a know-it-all. Okay. I'm like, you know, this is my thing. I, you know, and it's in, like, in a good way, 
you know, I teach history and analysis of modern comedy. Mm -hmm. I'm a, you know, I, I am, I'm, a, I'm fascinated by how things work, and I've applied this to comedy and improvisation. <laughs> What, what do you do when people challenge you? Like, oh, Anne, that's not true. Do you like that or do you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of a know-it-all. I'm just like, okay, you're right. I know. I, I, um, I know. I probably, for better or for worse, I like a good argument. You know, so I'm not. Did you interested. guys argue as, as a family? Like, my, you know, my dad was very smart. Because he was a professor. He was a professor. He was a professor of economics and statistics. Um, uh, I mean, we talked a lot, and my sister is is very, very bright, uh, hugely well-read, you know. So I don't know that we, it wasn't arguing like a t big Italian, you know, uh, yelling at each other, but like an intellectual discussion, you know, and I'm very competitive. Uh, they, they, speaking of that, Kelly, Kelly will, <laughs> our, our son Nick refuses to play Risk with Kelly and I. <laughs> because we get really, really competitive. We both, what, what are you saying, Nick? They both quit a lot. <laughs> Nick, do they, so your parents have never let you win at, at all? Oh, it's not about letting me win. It's about them getting angry if they're not winning, that the rules are unfair. <laughs> they, can't, they can't lose by quitting, so they come back and quit again. Okay. So, so it, would you agree that your mom is a know-it-all? Do you agree with that? <laughs> she knows lots of things, and I have to say the question about what do you do if someone says you're wrong okay. is kind of invalid, because she's really not. <laughs> I'm usually right. <laughs> that makes it harder, don't no, you think? Yeah, well, no, but that's, that's, why I'm the, that's why I'm Hermione, mm -hmm. you know, from, I'm, uh, from, from, uh, from uh, Harry uh, Potter. Potter. No, for real, I, um, <laughs> I you know, I, I, in a good way and a bad way, I mean, Hermione's the one who gets them out of the, all the stuff, because she mm -hmm. goes to the library and looks it up. And I, and I do usually know everything, but, that but you, the people don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a winning quality. Um, so you end up going to Northwestern University, yes. and you're studying theater, yes. and you're exposed to, to improv, and they're doing mm -hmm. spoiling games. Yes. What was your first impression of those? Uh, well, you know, truthful, what's interesting is uh, the spoiling games that I did when I was at Northwestern, I didn't understand it at all. And it wasn't until, and I think, you know, this is my whole nerdy uh, pedagogy of improv thing. I think spoiling games are really easy to teach badly. I think I, uh, they're, they're, they're brilliant when you teach them well, but they're really easy to teach badly. That idea of having a very specific point of concentration and the, and the teacher not putting their ego into it, but instead really just side coaching the students on that point of concentration. That's really hard to do, and a lot of people don't know how to do it. And I think that was the case at school. That I, you know, I did the exercises, but I didn't know why we were doing them, and I didn't make the discoveries that you make when you're being taught them. And years later, I took the classes at Second City, and Marty talked me, Marty Mott talked me through an exercise, and I was like, oh. Oh, that was the thing that we were doing all those hours. All the, you know, when you like give and take focus. I really thought it was about you know making funny movements and sounds. <laughs> Even though it's called give and take. Focus. And, and and then when you're at Northwestern, yes. you see a posting for the Improv Olympic. Well, that no, was before that. Uh, it was it was just like improv classes. Improv classes, right? And, and they were teaching the Herald, right? Yes. And uh, they were uh, although really early, it was more of that. It was like the it was like it wasn't it was pre Dell. Okay. 
So it was... David Shepard? Yes. Oh, so it was David So it was, it was Sharna and also Dottie DiPolo's, um, uh, the, the, the time dash thing. Okay. And so, but, but you didn't, you I, didn't I, get that either, right? No. Okay. No, I, I did it for like a day and then I quit. What was it that you didn't like about uh, it? No, I was just scared. Okay. I, I you know, that, okay, so this is the other downside okay. of, of my competitiveness. Okay. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is that I wanted to do it right the first time. And, and so since I wasn't perfect at it You're first like, time. I yeah. can totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, and then you meet Mary Scruggs. Uh, well, I actually met Mary before that. I met Mary Scruggs, uh, then Seawert, mm -hmm. uh, the very first day of acting class, sophomore year. She had transferred in, um, and, and we were paired up for a, a like a like a, the, a, a massage exercise thing, because <laughs> that's what you do in sophomore year of acting class. Uh, and I have a very vivid memory of seeing her and thinking. Uh, of not of thinking that she was going to be really important, but oh God, I'm sorry. Um, thinking that she was going to be really important, and I didn't know whether she was going to be my best friend or my worst enemy. Um, she ended up being my best friend. And for people that don't know, and the tears are about <laughs> about Mary died five years yeah, ago. Almost, suddenly. it'll be five years ago, January. And the first play you directed was a fairy tale uh, adaptation by Mary. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I directed, I did a lot of directing at <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I you am. Got, I don't know where you got the reputation of being a know-it-all <laughs> or someone who corrects people. Um, uh, uh, no, because I was, uh, I was interested, I, at Northwestern, I started, I went in thinking I was going to be an actor, and pretty quickly I realized that directing is what I wanted to do. So while I was there, I directed a number of shows, uh, including, um, uh, Crimes of the Heart was my senior, was my senior thing. And then after Northwestern, uh, Mary and I, and Stephen Colbert, and, uh, uh, who else is, is, is in town anymore? Uh, Chris Kubasik, right? Uh, uh, Dave Coral, a bunch of a uh, bunch of actors. Our teacher, our then teacher, Ann Woodworth, uh, started a theater company called the Journeyman Theater Ensemble, and uh, we did a terrible. Uh, there, there are reviews out there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we did a terrible play that was written through improvisation, called uh, "Come as You Are," which was. It's not even worth talking about. Um, <laughs> I was actually really good at it. It was the first time. As, as, a actor, as, as an, an actor? As an actor. I was an actor. Uh, uh, and it was one of the first times I sort of had that moment of, oh, I can turn my brain off and improvise. That was, that was the discovery that I had, was that if I turned my brain off, I could make discoveries. And that it was still there for me. But I didn't, have to, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to use my, my well, how did you, brain. Well, how did you... How were you able to turn your brain off? Uh, that, that it, well, and I remember I got a note from actually the assistant director working on the show, and she said, you know when you do that one thing, do that more. And, and so I just did that, and I stopped thinking about whether it was the right choice or the wrong choice. And what was the one thing they were? Um, there was a line in the play. It was a terrible play. Um, uh, there was a lot. I played a character named Zillary Twill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, by the way, Stephen, so Stephen Colbert's character in this play, uh, he was Rand Manley, uh, who, who's, the tagline for Rand Manley was he was perfect in every way. Um, what, and, what, and was Stephen Col what was Stephen Colbert like back then? I, 
like he is now, only only like uh, younger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you had a, you had a crush on him, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were roommates. I mean, we, uh, we. But you never fooled around with him, right? I'm not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> My what if I said you fooled around with him and then I'm you corrected still not me? Talking about that. <laughs> my son and my husband. I know, but he, but I mean, he kind of kept you. I mean, didn't you keep doing it because you had a crush on him? Uh, we're not talking about this. Okay. Uh, uh, so you asked about you asked about the show that I directed and married it. Uh, so no, uh, uh, no. Uh, so this the the but the character that I had was like was this uh, artsy uh, writer. Who wrote uh, uh, epic poetry? And I had a line. I had a line that was, "We could limbo," and for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, she was like, "That, that's the character." And I was like, "Oh, I know how to do that." Um, uh, and then I directed. We did. Um, this was during the Grey, Grey Lord era. Um, so this Mary was working for the Circuit Court of Cook County, and they desperately <laughs> uh, needed good publicity. So they commissioned her to write a law-related children's theater script. Rumpelstiltskin versus the Queen. Yes. Good. You didn't have to correct me. I got it right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the show that you... I, but I directed, yeah, so I directed that, and we toured uh, all over the city of Chicago. But wasn't that the show that you're like, okay, I want to direct now? Um, I think I knew... I knew that before, but that was where it was like, okay, yes, this is this is this is working for me. And at the time, I was also I, I um, while we were doing Rebel Stiltskin, I was also working at um, uh, the Organic Theater. Mm -hmm. I uh, so I aided, I stage managed stage. I famously stage managed one of the worst productions in Chicago history ever. <laughs> what was uh, that? No, it was called. It was a show called Beta Wolf. Okay. It was a post-nuclear holocaust version of Beowulf, uh, <laughs> uh, with a cast of like 30 people. Uh, uh, it was it was horrible. It, uh, 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 but a huge cast: uh, Blair Thomas, uh, who went on to do Red Moon; uh, Greg Allen, who uh, New Futurists; um, Eliza Shalowitz, who was Bang Theater in Pete Marietta. Marietta. Chris Kubasik was in that. Um, uh, yeah, it was a huge cast. Uh, Regan Alte, uh, who's a Chicago actress, really great people. It was, it was, um, there was, it was meant to be the sh there. There were two tribes: the Shy and the Deets, which was Chicago and Detroit. And Beta Wolf was uh, three women. And when Mary and Mary and Stephen came to see it, and, and and Mary said, "I think I know why. I think I know why Beowulf is three women. It's because Beowulf was many heroes and combined into one." And Stephen said, "No, no. I think it's because it's the maid, the mother, and the crone." And actually, it was because the director uh, thought that Beowulf should be the Supremes. <laughs> so from there, <laughs> so there. And correct me if I'm yes. wrong here. Uh, you, uh, Mike, uh, Michael Gelman gets you a job in the box office yes. at Second City, yep. and then you move up uh, in, in the box office. I become box office manager. manager, yes. And Jeff Garland is is one of your worst employees. Yes, he is. Okay. What made him so bad in the box office? Oh, because he was just, he, he, I mean, Joyce Sloan hired him because she thought he was so funny. Oh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious, but he's a terrible box office employee. Because he, he, he would play with the audience. I mean, he'd play with, he would play with people on the phone. He would tell them... Pudding, 
Uh, yeah, pudding. Right. Um, he would just he would screw around with them. Uh, do you tell them there was a puppet show? <laughs> How would you? Well, so and what would you say to him? Would you have to like reprimand him? Sure, but I couldn't. You know, the, he made Joyce laugh so much that there was no way that I could like yell at him because she loved him. Um, and then you left the box office and you started to teach in the training center. Yes. And uh, you went to direct the touring companies and some uh -huh. reviews, yep. and then you become the artistic director of the training center for almost yes. ten years. Uh, yeah. And and through all the various roles that you had at, uh, have at Second City, mm -hmm. you saw people like Tina Fey, yep. and of course we mentioned Stephen Colbert, uh, Steve Carell, Garland, Adam mm -hmm. McKay, Rachel Dratch, etc. What is about these individuals? And you like to break this down. If you could break this down, what makes them so successful? Well, the thing. The thing that I say, and I say this to my students all the time, which is that the people I know who have careers in this industry are the people who pursued doing the next thing that excited them, that challenged them, and working with the people that excite them, excited them and challenged them, and did the work. Got themselves out there and did the work, and when they did the work, they did the next thing and tried that, and, and that those are the people who eventually found themselves someplace they wanted to be. So let's say Tina Fey, who you mm -hmm. knew, yeah. uh, and certainly know the trajectory of her career. Mm -hmm. what, was, what was it about her? Well, I think you know one of the big things about Tina was that in addition to improvising, and she loved to improvise, but she was also writing plays. She was also seeking out, and again, I think there, you, you can't emphasize this enough, she was seeking out to work with the people that she found exciting to work with, you know. So she found Amy Poehler. She found, you know, uh, her husband Jeff Richmond. She kept looking for who do I want to work with? Who, not who do I want to work with because they're cool. And I think it's a very, you know, we all do that thing of like, oh, who's the coolest person in the room? Um, not because they're cool, but because they make me better. Stephen Colbert. What made what makes him a success? Uh, he. Because he, he was not found, political. No, he's he, he, uh, Stephen. Stephen loves language. Stephen is. I directed Stephen's one-man show, which was called "Describing a Circle," and the show is all about how people talk about what they think. And and if you look at his at, at his work at Second City, it's about belief, and about the language you use to describe belief. Um, and what's fascinating then about his show is that you know it's it, the or, you know certainly the first one anyway was that that show isn't about I mean it's about the way people talk about it's not about politics it's about the way politicians talk it's about you know truthiness that word that describes a thing that where I where what I believe is more important than the facts. So what do you think made him so successful? Well, I mean, he's magic. What's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, he's a guy. Um, uh, he is both an amazing brain and a magpie brain who just like scoops up every piece of detail in the world um, and then puts it together in an interesting way. Um, he is also um, I, I, he is also truly passionate about speaking out into the world 
and he is, but not in a satiric way, just the, the, the communication. Uh, and he's a seeker. And a seeker, again, who looks to work with the people who inspire him and challenge him. You know, he found Paul and Amy, Paul Donello and Amy Sedaris uh, when he was at Second City, and that, and he was interested in, in being part of that ensemble. And I, th I you know, because I saw his shows and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I don't think people realize, like, he would really learn. Like, he was very influenced, you know, by Paul Danello, mm -hmm. who was very mm -hmm. physical. Yep. And, and he seemed to be, like, each show he would be learning and learning yes. something No, different. he always, uh, you know, it's that, it's that thing of, well, Adam McKay was like this. You know, and Adam McKay, I've always said, I directed Adam in the touring company, and Adam was my absolute favorite person to direct. Why? Because Adam only cared about what people contributed to the work. And so he wasn't interested in any of the politics. He wasn't interested in who didn't like whom or any of that stuff, that garbage that every improv ensemble has. Um, and when he was working on something, he was always looking for what was that thing that he was going to work on. Like, like He was interested in being where he was and doing the best thing with what he could do in such a way that he kept getting hired before he was done with the thing that he was so excited about. You know, he, when he was in the touring company, he was excited about being in the touring company and working with those people, and then he got hired to go to ETC. He got hired to SNL before he was done with Second City because he was always excited about being where he was in the work. Um, now, uh, as you teach in, mm -hmm. the, in the comedy studies program, people yes. say, can you teach someone to be funny? But I want to know, the harder <laughs> thing is, can you teach someone to be ambitious like they are? I don't... I think there's a difference between teaching ambition. So, so we talk about, and I don't, this is sort of sideways, sideways way of getting to what you're asking. Um, there are three things that we hold really high in the program. The first one is ensemble. The, the, the students who are here don't have heard me say this. Uh, the idea of supporting, uh, Sheldon Patinkin used to say that an ensemble is only as good as its ability to compensate for its weakest member. That idea that we work together to support the greater whole. So that's number one. Number two is we value risk and we value failure, which is why I'm here today. You're going to see me improvise. Um, <laughs> but, 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 that you, but that you don't get anywhere. And that's the ambition thing. Most of the, It's not that people aren't ambitious. It's that they're afraid. We're afraid to fail. If there are any regrets I have in my life, it's not because... Uh, it's because I didn't do something because I was afraid. Do, can you think of one? Uh, sure. Um, uh, do you remember the, the improv group Ed? Yeah, with Jim Denning Jim directed Denning, right. it. There's great um, John Lear was in right. it. Chris Hogan. Uh, yeah. Um, great group. Uh, af the second iteration of Ed was uh, having auditions, and um, Lair and I were buddies from Northwestern, mm -hmm. and he pulled me in to talk to Jim Denon and said, you know, you should do this. And I was getting married for the first time. Um, uh, I was, and I said, I said no. But I said no, not because, um, because I was afraid. Because I was afraid that I'd go in and I wouldn't be good. I'm, so. I'm so glad that you're honest about fear because <laughs> I'm afraid. Sure. I mean, I'm, it's held me back, you know. And I think there's also the fear of success, too. Yes. For me, yes. I you think can I, correct. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, but I, so, so for my students, I want to put the focus on taking risks and recognizing that failure is part of the process and that you're not going to get what you want unless you have risked 
So how do you get used to it? How do you get over that fear? You do, you keep doing. You keep throwing your heart over the, over the fence, you know, the, 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 the thing. And you, and you focus not on whether it was a success or failure, but instead on what you got out of it. So when I give notes in class, my goal, I mean, and I have to grade, so there's that, but, but the goal is, I say to the students, you know, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a good enough grade if you just get up and do it. And the notes I give are, this is what I'd like to see you do next. So the goal is to learn and to keep focused on the work and not on you. So uh, I always like the idea of not wanting to be a noun, but wanting to be a verb that I want to do. What is the thing I want to do with my life? What is the thing I want, as opposed to what name do I want to have? Because you know, the minute you get a job, the minute you get a title, then what, what, you're, not, you're not happy. But if you're doing, then you're always doing. So for me, that's the, and it's less, it's less scary because then there's no real, I mean, there's only steps in a process as opposed to I didn't get this. It's about what am I doing? Does that make sense? Yes, and we're going to be doing right now. <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you doing this because it's brave. You know, you haven't done it in a while. No, I haven't. Um, uh, so we're going to take a suggestion. Okay. All right. When was the last time you improvised? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible it was when we did Homeschooled, which is... What is uh, that? Homeschooled was a what was a um, pilot for a show. We did a we did a test pilot for a show written through improvisation, and it was Second City did it, and it was it was about parents and children who were homeschooling. Well, it wasn't Susan Messing and Joe. Susan Messing, Joe Canelli, me, um, Alex Bendrich, um, Amanda Blake Davis, uh, Nikki Margolis. Uh, and then um, Sophia Mia Canelli and uh, so it was all Eleanor Leonard. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that that was what. So that was like that was like nine years ago. Okay, um, it'll come back to you. Okay. It'll, believe me, it'll come back to you. All right. So we're going to take a suggestion. It's going to be a short scene. Great. Believe me, uh, I have your back. Um, can I we get a suggestion? How, what kind of suggestion would you like to take? Uh, let's get a suggestion of a place. Okay. Can we have a suggestion of a place? I heard Greece, zoo. Greece? A zoo right. in Greece. <laughs> okay. So um, is it, should we have gotten something smaller? Well, he said zoo. I, did, okay, I went to for zoo in Greece. So. Zoo in Greece. Okay, great. We will do a zoo in Greece. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you hear Greece and you hear zoo. How, how, how do you, what, what goes on in your, your mind to break the suggestion? Well, the, I, what's interesting is that the, I immediately thought about what's going on in Paris. And uh, so Greece makes me think of tourism mm -hmm. and of uh, tourism in Europe. Um, and, and, and even like zoo as, as a place you go, which immediately made my mind go to how scary it is to be a tourist in Europe right now. And would I want to, who would I be if I were there? Okay. I think of a Greek guy. So <laughs> we'll see what's going All right, so, great. There you are, American. I can tell you're American. Uh, well, I, you know what? I dressed. Um, uh, no, no. Well, uh, you know, it was yes. intentional to look more, more like a uh, like a Greek person. Well, it is I, not working. No. No. <laughs> we do not wear a sweatsuit like that. Uh, it, you know, 
I, I read, there's a website about how you dress for travel, and they said that, that sweatsuits are very, um, oh, do I look American? No, you do not look American, oh. but I have to say you look fine. Oh, well. You are a good looking woman. <laughs> are you single? Uh, 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 wow. Um, yes, I, I'm, I'm coming on I, to you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I had not thought about that as a thing. I am not, well, I am, si okay, so the deal is, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm separated. Oh, good, good. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, you're no, available, I mean, is what you're saying. Uh, no, yeah, no. I, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, with everything going on in the world today, why yes. do you come here? Well, uh, you know, I felt like it was time to get away from my husband. No, I'll tell you why. You come here for sex. You have sex on the brain. Oh, yes, you do. I'm not sure that that's true. Oh, really? Oh, really? I, I mean, oh, you really? know, I mean, you're, you're, you're... Do you find me attractive? I'm asking you, do you find me attractive? I, yes. Thank you. I uh, find you attractive. Uh, well, thank you. Yes. I, I, uh, I dressed for... You know, you dressed like you're going jogging at the mall. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I didn't, I wasn't, I wanted to, to meet someone. I did. And you know, and it's scary here. It's scary to be alone here. And, and, and I don't know why I came to a zoo. The animals are very hot. Um, you know, um, and I, I told you why you came here. For love. You feel lonely because uh, you separated from your husband. Yes. You're scared because you're in a foreign country. It's, uh, you're, you know, you're, you, you get it. Yes, I do. Um, you know, I, I'm scared of you, though. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I find that you know, is a good is sign, you know, that shows you're coming into touch with your senses. You know, there's five senses. Really? Yes, we've got, <laughs> yes, we've got touch. Oh, well, there yes, we go, we've yes. Got touch. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you touch. And we've I got think. touch. That's uh, the second uh, sense. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I can hear you as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. And we've got more touch. Yes. That's the third no, sense, yes. I, uh, perhaps we're not speaking this. I, no, I it, speak English. I speak I, English. I yes, can, yes, can yes, tell yes. that you speak yes. English. Well, you, yes. Um, um, I can tell. The zoo, that oh, it does not go any farther than that. Yeah. You, if you walked any farther, you'd fall in a lake. I uh, really. Your clothes would get all wet and soggy. And then I'd have to take them off? Yeah, oh, that's on your mind. That's not on mine. <laughs> I, I, I see. You know, I, I, I think I was looking for romance. Oh, you've come to the right place. <laughs> no, because you want sex. No, I wanted both. I want uh, a little romance and then right to the sex. Uh, so we'll take it slowly? Yes, we will take it slowly. We'll take it slowly? Very slowly. So perhaps we'll start with names. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, my name? Yes. Alexander. Alexander. Like, Alexander. Like, like, like Alexander the Great. Like Alexander I the have, Great, I yes. Have, you know, I, I have... Um, uh, you have a book there? Uh, yes, yes. I've never uh, said my name and someone go and read a book. Oh, no, no. It no, kind of no, makes me feel uh, insecure, you know. Oh, I'm, like I'm, I'm boring you. I, no, no, no. I was going to share information oh, about, great, about great. Alexander please, the Great. Please. Uh, and this he, is called Icebreak, right? Right. In the <laughs> right. I didn't tell you my name, did I? No, you didn't. You're avoiding that. Yes, I am. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't you call me Tatiana? Tatiana, I yes, like Tatiana. Yes, yes. That is your name, Tatiana. Yes, yes. sure. Yes. Yes, it's Tatiana. It's you know what Tatiana means in Greece? Uh, what, what, what does it mean in Greece? Beautiful flower. 
<laughs> you are a beautiful flower. I don't know that I've ever been. Um, uh, Your husband never called you a beautiful flower? Uh, no. That's why you're not no. married. Uh, he did well, not romance you. He well, did not tell I, you. No, he didn't. He, 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 he said that I was, you know, very um, helpful. And, uh, helpful? He's called you helpful? Yes. A beautiful woman like that, and the best thing he could say was helpful? Well, you know, because I, I'm a very good cook. Oh, there is more than just good cook. Really? Yes. Your eyes are beautiful. They are like saucer cups. <laughs> Your mouth are like teeny oceans. <laughs> Your earlobes. Your earlobes. Could I touch one of your earlobes? Uh, yeah, hold, hold on. Ocean? Oceans. My mouth is like an ocean? Your mouth is like an ocean. I, I'm, I think you may be not speaking English as well as you think you are. <laughs> ocean. Uh, it is a body of water. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so keep, you, you, um. I can touch your earlobe? Yes, you can touch my earlobe. I'll tell you something. For someone who is so afraid and timid, you are very sensitive. I can tell this to you. Uh, yes, I, yes. I, you know, I. Your hair is golden. You're golden. It is like golden. Uh, yeah, uh, you were saying you were going to touch my earlobe? I'm going to touch your earlobe. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Your earlobe, it is like a piece of delicious cheese that is set on fire as an appetizer. You know, I'm not, I, I, that's Saganaki. Yes. Oh, you know it. Yes. Oh, you know it. <laughs>
I was like, okay, this is going to be a seduction scene. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy is about love. Right, right, right. You know, right. And and I, I like what you said. You know, what was going on in the world? Yep. Um, I, I probably for me, I, I could have listened a little better, but you know. Yeah, I did. I thought there was a point at which, you know, and this is this is when you know too much about improvisation. Mm -hmm. There's a point at which I was like, oh, it's a seduction scene. Oh, should I not allow him to seduce me? You know, how do I how do I get out of this mm -hmm. kind of stuff? Um, uh, did you did you kn did you know that I was lying to you about my name? Yes, <laughs> yes. But I figured my want was who cares? This yes. guy just wants to you know hook up. Yes. So yes. You know, what the care? I'm gonna make a big deal. Of, you know, I'm gonna be like I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that was very clear. Anything you would have done differently in this? Uh, I think I would have grounded myself in where we were a little bit more strongly. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I mean, this was the this was the relationship, right. but but in my in order to get out get a get um, in order to have something else other than you as a pole, mm -hmm. have being being like stronger. What, what would it what would it have been? Uh, but that that there was some that something in the environment that that I was there to see or was actually physically looking at. Right. You like know. a lion cage, or like a lion cage, or yeah. or or, or a, a building, mm -hmm. or a you know. I had my book. There's probably there's you know. It's Greece. It's everything's a thousand years old. Right. So how did you feel about? Because you hadn't done it in a long time. I, the, the, you know, it's the place where where your little um, uh, your teacher brain clicks t ticks off. Oh, you said no. Oh, yeah. where, where, where did you I say no? I forget what I say no. I said uh, I corrected you. <laughs> Something. <laughs> um, uh, I, but I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't deny you. I just said but, no to to something that you were trying to do. Well, but see, I, I'm not so sure if that's not agreement because no. the game was. I mean, there had to be some. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing where you could have said yes, and we yes. could have followed that, or the game could be you could say no, and you're not right. gonna. Right. I either, either no, and I think I think that I it, indeed. Well, that was the interesting thing is that I knew in that moment that that the game was it was okay for me to say no. Okay. But my te but my old school improv uh, teacher voice in the back of my head went, "Oh, you said no." Right. All right. So we're gonna take we're gonna take some questions from the audience. Sure. Uh, and maybe even your son. And uh, <laughs> he knows everything. <laughs> is Nick? Yeah. Are you? You're not a know-it-all too, are you? Um, is is he? No, no. With obscure knowledge. Like, because you're a huge. Nick is like a huge comedy. I mean, historian as well. Right? <laughs> I'm just a nerd. Yeah. No, well, we do. I like, I like like 15th century popes. Yes, okay. he does. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And we do, I don't know, do you know about the thing we do, which is we, for years, for how many years? Three, three uh, years? Like, yeah, three. Three years, we have, we have a Sunday classic movie night, and we watch. I uh, see that on Facebook right, all the time. We watch, we watch, we watch, a, we watch classic, uh, Nick and I watch classic movies together every Sunday and night. And then do you have discussion afterwards? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and we look, and, and we look them up and find weird, obscure facts about them. Yeah. <laughs> and do you guys, like, disagree and agree on stuff? Is it more like that? Um, we're no, usually actually pretty much on the same track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll dislike a few more things. Right. Right. Because you're that, younger, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't get it yet. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 18. I don't understand it right. in life. So. Is it, just, just answer me this, Nick. Is it more fun than risk with your parents? Oh, yes. A lot. Okay. Right. <laughs> Infinitely. Okay, great. All right, so we're okay. going to take some questions. Uh, <laughs> 
Great. We're going to take some uh, questions from the audience. So a uh, question for Ann. Uh, just put your hand up, and uh, she will answer your question. Yeah, right here. R right here. Yes. Um, yes. You said that uh, at Northwestern, you mm -hmm. made the transition from acting to Uh, you know, and again, to be really fair, I think there there was a point at which I was a little bit afraid of being an actor. And I, but but I'm, but the truth of the matter is, I'm also <laughs> very bossy. Uh, and as a performer, I've always been somebody, and this was also true for, of myself as an improviser. Um, I was always aware of what what the larger picture was, and not always on me. And so, so it became a really natural evolution of feeling like, oh no, this is what, this is what I'm good at. I'm good at uh, breaking down a larger thing. Um, but it was, it was, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Um, uh, and I, I, uh, I don't know that the two are necessarily incompatible, which is, the other, which is the other thing. I think there's a lot of people in this community too who's, who think, oh, I can, I can be a director or an actor. And I don't think you have to be one or the other. Great. Another question right here. Hey, KJ. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, I, was, I was wondering, like, you know, since graduating from Columbia, mm -hmm. I'm going through the motions. I'm going through auditions recently. I came up just short of the local B audition at Second City Books and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And my, my thing is, yeah, I know I shouldn't be, but I get discouraged sometimes. Sure. And people do get discouraged when, like, what? It's hard, huh? It's really hard. I, you know, you. I, I again, I, I, the only thing I can say, and I think for me, you know, my career path was sort of like this. You know, it's not, you know, even though I've been at Second City my entire adult life, I've done tons of stuff, and I think you have to just find the things that feel good and feel right, and keep following those things. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, and it's not good, it's not easy, but but it goes back to the idea of not of, of not being a noun but being a verb. If you're doing things that challenge you, and you're doing things, you know, I no one I went to school with would have said that I was going to become a comedy scholar. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but you wouldn't even have said that. I wouldn't have said no, no, absolutely. But it it comes out of going. Oh, well, I'm interested in this. I feel good when I do this. I'll do that more. I work with these people, and I feel good when I'm working with them, and I'll do that more. And I think if you if you focus on the rejection, right, then then it's about not getting a thing. If you focus on the doing, then you're going to find yourself someplace you want to be. It may not be where you thought you were going to go at all. Well, I, that, that's I mean, that's your thing. career, if you yeah, think about absolutely. it. You, you wanted to be an actor, and yep. then a director, and then you were running the training center, and now right. you're running the you know, comedy studies program. Right. Well, no, and that's, I think you just, I, you know, it's hard. It, it, and, and, you know, it's hard not to feel, the Martin DeBot thing, uh, being willing to say that you don't know everything um, that you that you're not finished yet. You don't know everything you need to know, as opposed to thinking that you're not good enough. I think that's a you know, that's a huge. Well, thing. the other thing is, do people want it? 
too soon. I, what again? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it is a. I think you, the minute you start thinking about it, instead thinking about a process, because you know, let's say you get it, <laughs> then what? Right. Uh, so, so the idea is it's about it's if, if you're always doing the thing you're doing that's the Adam McKay thing if you're always doing the thing you're doing and getting the most out of it then the next thing's gonna it's it's God it's improv right it's exploring heightened but that, transformation it's really hard when you're thinking other people are going on right other people have gotten into the conservatory how do you block that out just focus on that I, I I'm I'm suggesting things that I don't know that I'm capable of doing myself so there's that um, <laughs> but. I think, I, yes, you have to not see it as a competition. You can't think of it as scarcity. You can't think that there's only a certain number of uh, happy lives and careers, you know? Great. Uh, we'll take another question. Yeah, so you yeah. started the uh, conversation about that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> What's that like? Well, it's very busy right now with registration. Um, How did you come up with the idea? I, well, you know what's stuff? interesting is that came it went the other. Well, there's there's a couple things, but one of the biggest things that came out of it comes out of the fact that I'm really interested in. How, and I've always been, I've been always interested in how do you break something down? How do you teach this stuff? How do you, and these are conversations we talked about Mary. Mary and I used to have the conversations about who's successful in this industry and wouldn't it be great, this is the training center, wouldn't it be great if we could make the improvisers take writing classes and make the writers take improvisation classes? So it came out of, out of like, if I were going to create the best way to train somebody to work at Second City, what would I do? What information would I give them? So the idea of breaking it down and really teaching people how to have success in this business was the first part. And then it came out of Andrew Alexander, who uh, owns Second City, uh, saying, uh, asking why the training center uh, uh, didn't have, wasn't a college. And I explained that we couldn't do that. Because <laughs> we then we'd have to have, offer like math classes. Um, you wanted to make the training just a college? Because you know, there, there was a degree, at a, there was a place, in, a place in Canada that had a degree. And he wanted to know why we didn't have a, have a degree. At the time, we, we couldn't. Uh, but then I talked to Sheldon, and we were like, OK, we could do this thing, though. And, and it was sort of, at that point, the idea behind the program was sort of already there. Does that make sense? Um, uh, and it's really, OK, I'm so lucky. This is what fascinates me. This is what excites me. This is what challenges me. And I get to do it. I get to figure out how to do this thing. and. I'm really, you know, and the, the, my students are some of the most amazing. We talked about this. The comedy majors and the comedy studies students are really out there doing the work in a really smart, amazing way. And I'm really proud of the way we've put this program together. And I'm really proud of the growth that the students have in the program. They're still, I, you know, I love to tweak. And I'm still, like, doing a lot of that. And we're looking at things for the, for the, We've, you know, as we get more students in, I'm starting to ask myself, how do we give them more stage time? How do we um, give them more opportunities across media? Because I think the future of comedy isn't stage or improv. It is you're an actor, writer, performer, producer, director who works across media. 
that that's, you know, you're a content creator, as it were, and that that's really the future of the industry, and I want to give my students that, you know, and we're already doing that, but there's, you know, there's more. And I'm also, you know, the amazing thing is we talked about this too, is we've got amazing teachers. You know, some of the coolest people, some of the, you know, I'm like, oh, I just get to be in a room with Irene Marquette and Jen Allison and Norm Holly and Jeff Griggs, I mean, who are, you know, the coolest. I, I didn't answer that question. <laughs> Great. Another question? Right over here. Um, I've always felt yes, uncomfortable about networking. Uh -huh. Well, but there's, there's two things. One of the things, is, and, and I, I think you'd agree with this, the best networking you're doing is the what you're doing right now in class. The networking that you're doing with the people you're working with is a much bigger networking than any networking with people who are up, other in the industry. The people that you're in classes with are the people who are go going to get you jobs down the road. So weirdly enough, being a really good ensemble member being, you know, be some, being somebody that you would want to work with is one of the best pieces of networking you can do. Um, the other thing that I learned from, from my husband, who will strike up a conversation with anybody, is that networking doesn't, mean, <laughs> networking doesn't mean that you have to immediately go in and talk about the industry with somebody who's in the industry. Uh, networking means having a conversation with another human being about something that you're mutually interested in. <laughs> right, not wanting anything from no, it. No, you know, uh, uh, we sat next to... Um, uh, the guy who was the head of the University of Chicago Business School uh, at, a, at a fundraiser, and Kelly started to talk to him about, uh, uh, about soccer, uh, and that was the conversation. And then later on, when, when he had a question about something that had to do with the UFC, it was very easy to, to shoot him an email. So, but that, I think, it's, it's, it, in many ways, it's as simple as that. Work with the people. Work with the cool people who you think are really good right now. I know. We got another question <laughs> back there. Yes. Yeah, is there anything that you're working on now directly or otherwise that you're excited about or anything coming up? Uh, so I have a, I have a, I have a uh, directing project that I've been wanting to do for a really long time that, um, uh, but that is still sort of on hold. I want to do, I'm, you know, I'm a huge uh, children's literature nerd. I love... Uh, uh, and I want to do a um, a review show uh, about girl lit, about like uh, uh, YA lit. And the tentative title is "Are You There, God? It's Me, Katniss Everdeen." Uh, that's like that's just my passion project that I've been working on for a while. And then I'm writing a book, which is gonna uh, about comedy, uh, which is you know I'm gonna get people are, people will tease me mercilessly because there's nothing comedians hate more than people who take comedy apart. But you wrote a book. Uh, I did write a book. I wrote, uh, this is the second one. Right. Did, well, did you get shit for that? Sure. What did people say? It's a great <laughs> book, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, no, actually, the funniest thing was my book came out at the same time as Mick Napier's book, mm -hmm. Improvise. Uh, and the number of people who came up to me and said, um, I just want to let you know I got Mick's book because it was cheaper. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I didn't know they were mutually exclusive. <laughs> It was the, and Mick wrote something in my book. Uh, right. uh, uh, it was just like very weird. But uh, I, no, I'm going to, like, 
anytime you want to analyze comedy, and that's what this new book is about, is, is taking comedy apart and talking about how it works and all of that. And comedians, you know, comedians want to keep it magic. Right. So I will, I will get teased. There's no question. Well, if you, you, you're used to it, right, from yes. the last book. Exactly. Great. We had one more question back here. Yes, right here. What books have inspired your career? Uh, okay. Um, Beside McNapier's book. Besides McNapier's yeah. book. <laughs> um, there is uh, there's a book by Mary Catherine Bateson, uh, who's Margaret Mead's daughter. And she wrote a book uh, that my mother gave me called Composing a Life. Um, and it's about improvising, but it's about improvising as a human. And it's about women in particular. It's about... It's about how women's careers don't happen like this, that you make discoveries and you find things and you find other things. It's exactly what we've been talking about. Um, and which that, is your career. Which is my career. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was intensely um, uh, uh, comforting to read and, and to, to realize, oh, no, that's the way it works for everybody. You know, your path, we don't get better on anything like this. We get better like this. And so to realize that, that I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Um, so that, it's not a funny book. <laughs> um, uh, I, funny books, I love, um, I love Dorothy Parker. I love, um, I, as a kid, I loved female, the female humorists, like Jean Kerr. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard Mills, uh, and uh, uh, Fran Leibowitz. Uh, so those were like, I, oh, I get this. So that, that, I, I don't Would know you that recommend the Little House on the Prairie books? Uh, they're very, they, you know, they're hugely racist. Oh, uh, really? You read them. Uh, the Indian stuff. And Pa, is it, pa does a minstrel show. <laughs> um, I love them. I, no, I should back up. I, I love them, but you do. When you read them, you're like, oh. It's like you're reading them to your child. <laughs> like, um, and we're just going to skip over a little bit. Um, I love those books. I love... Um, uh, I love Harry Potter, but it, it earlier, I, I, you know, as a kid, I read, um, I just finished Patton Oswalt's uh, book, Silver Screen Fiend, and he talks about an imaginary uh, double feature of Walt Disney doing uh, The Phantom Tollbooth and uh, Half Magic as a double feature, and Half Magic was one of my, there were tons of books that were about um, everyday kids who find a magic thing. Um, and then go, that, those, are my, those are my favorites, which maybe... Your face lights up when you talk about those. I love them. We've got to wrap this up. This has been great. Thank and you. And we end the podcast the same way every time, and that is one piece of advice you would give somebody starting out in improv or comedy today. Well, I think I already said it, which is, is seek out the things that excite you and challenge you and make you feel like you're in flow. Do those things and don't worry about what the thing is that you're doing. Worry about what you're doing that you're seeking out. And thank you so much for being our guest. And there you have it, another episode of Improv Nerd is in the Can. And I just, I loved her honesty, you know, especially when she, she told on herself. And she's like, I, you know what, I come across sometimes as a know-it-all. I just, I think that stuff is so, I, she gets high marks in my book for that kind of stuff. And also when she's like, you know what, when I was starting out in college and I was just, I wanted to do it perfectly. I was afraid. And, uh, 
I, I love people that can admit that because uh, I need to do more of that in my life. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Ann Libra, uh, for being our guest today. Also, I want to thank Stage 773, the people that host us each week uh, for our live improv nerd shows. And as always, my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me sound so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Dan, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. Also, uh, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning improv classes and my improv nerd blog and my books, just go to my website, jimmycorain.com. Also, we're taking over social media, but please don't tell anybody. Uh, follow us on Twitter, improv underscore nerd, uh, our improv nerd Facebook page. Like us because it really helps with my low self-esteem. And go to our YouTube channel, which is Improv Nerd Podcast, and see clips from our live improv nerd shows. We're also part of a podcast collective called feralaudio.com. Check out all their wonderful, innovative and hilarious podcast at feralaudio.com. I want to thank our sponsor today, Utter Nonsense. Check them out at utternonsensegame.com. And of course, I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Hello. I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a, I'm a bat. bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My, uh, my. 